Hello and welcome to the Friendship Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb, with co-host Trevor. Hello, everyone. Okay, today we have something to talk about specific. We're going to talk about projects because we've just been talking about productivity and all these kinds of things. Now let's talk about projects themselves. And in that, I in our notes here, I pasted a, a screenshot of a pretty cute comic. It actually came from someone in the Native Shark community who is interested potentially in Angel investing in our company. <gasps> Gasp! Gasp! Okay. Anyway, he's a cool guy. <laughs> Even if he doesn't, like we've we've been chatting for like a, a year or more, off and on about just business and stuff. Fun guy. Okay. He sends me this because we're talking about like focus and how do you focus on projects? How do you focus your business on something? And because there's always so much you can do. Um, anyway, so, okay. The top frame is a balloon that says a new project and this girl that's just like full of hard eyes and says, I want to work on that. It's so exciting. She grabs the balloon and then has a shocked face and says, oh, looking to the right. And there's three new, new project, new idea balloons floating off. And then the next frame is, oh, I'll work on this too, and this, and one more, and that. And now all of a sudden she has a whole bundle of balloons. And then the next frame is her saying, oh no. And uh, she's holding like a thousand balloons and is getting carried off the <laughs> earth, which is, um, you know, leaving the frame of reality. Because, <laughs> because you wanted to do too many things. We love it. That's it's it's, it's, um, it's my life sometimes feels like that to be honest yeah I, you <laughs> especially I would, me <laughs> between okay, the two of us i would say a week doesn't go by where i at least hear you talk about two to three like brand new like legitimate well thought out ideas so not just ideas but you've at least put the time in to like think about them and be like wow this actually might be worth it and i i'm i'm sitting over here i'm like I'm lucky if I get hit with inspiration for one idea a week. Like I have them, but they're not as right. frequent as you. It's kind of <laughs> insane. I, I don't know how you do it. Dude, me either. I, I don't know. I'm honestly, I'm just kind of tired right now too. And I would, I would expect that like when I'm tired, it wouldn't keep happening, but it still does without fail. Like <laughs> I can't help myself. Yeah. New ideas just come. Um, but on that note, in the past while but specifically the past three months i've been working on focusing my life intentionally and just i may have random cool well thought out ideas maybe one to three of them a week and i'm still writing them down but i'm no longer getting distracted by them i Mm. think at least i don't feel as distracted i feel like the focus is starting to collect and become like a precision point. It's not there yet. Like it's like I've imagined it as like focusing uh, like a flashlight hmm. to a fine, fine, focused point. And before I was like, when you have the flashlight full unfocused, and it's just like wa- like light is flooding everywhere. And then like I turned it a little bit, but I thought it was more focused, but I wasn't. And then like my life hit a breaking point in November of 2020, and then it's been like rebuilding from there it's like okay what do i do so i've been like tightening the focus more and more until it's like 
pinpoint this is what i'm working on this is what i'm doing does that make mm-hmm. sense yeah it does and you've probably seen it oh i have i i don't know what it was before but when i would see you bring up new ideas or when you were working there was always this really big excitement to do the next thing or like mm-hmm. there was always like a on the horizon which is good it like propels you forward to do like the next biggest and best thing but more lately like that's still there but it's there for the projects that you're actually working on because you realize they just take longer you can't just do something quick and then you're done with the project and then you can move on um i feel like this this, there's this whole uh patience aspect you've worked into working on projects that wasn't there before but it's definitely there now and it's honestly it seems like it's made you a more productive person Mm, i appreciate that i do feel like lately it it has been Mm. yeah i mean honestly to some extent like i keep i've always kept kind of you in mind as like a bit of an anchor to that because you've done things through to completion over periods of time that take time and then those things have added up and now your life is like pretty successful for being 25 yeah yeah it's not too and bad. like <laughs> and i've kind of just i've done a fuck ton of things before turning 25 which was i guess kind of my goal i wanted to do a lot of things and in some sense i still didn't do everything that i could have done but i definitely did a fair share of things yeah and that was fun but i'm tired <laughs> yeah i don't think i should be this tired at 25 so like seeing your life and how you've kind of just been consistently more steady and like amping up things ramping things up over a period of time has been like i said like an anchor point for me to be like okay that's what it can look like if you just work out something over time even if it's not maybe the most enjoyable thing in the moment Mm. like i'm sure there were many points when you were finishing your graduate degree that you were like yeah this isn't actually super fun and i'd rather not do this (laughs) yeah i can assure you that yeah yeah but you did it you saw it through um you know and now you have a job and i know that job is not always the most fun job but at this moment in your life uh it's a great job for you because it's providing you what you need the time the experience to move forward Mm -hmm. and you're putting in the effort and it's cool to see that that's working so Yeah. yeah i like it and yeah i'm trying to bring more of that into my life and i think at a certain extent you're also trying to bring more of my approach into your life so it's kind of like we're both like balancing hitting the equilibrium whereas like you maybe see me as like an anchor in this whole thing i see you as um i don't know like can i be the wind in the sails the wind in the (laughs) sails yeah i was gonna be like okay i'm doing all this like and i like if i'm sitting here and i like compare myself to you i don't feel like i'm going anywhere right because everything I'm working on takes a long time to finish. <laughs> and I see you and you're working on all these things and I'm like, dang, I could be doing X, Y, Z, Z, like all add on all these things and then be doing things a lot more. But then I'm just like, you know, what am I going to gain in the process? Am I actually right. going to finish all those things I start? You, well, th- that's where like there's the balance between our two approaches where like, my approach has been to doing taking on too many projects. Your approach has been 
pretty minimal on projects. So what mm-hmm. I think is happening is we're trying to find a way to meet in the middle between too many projects and not enough projects. And then mm. likely we find equilibrium and then we live our best lives. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that's the idea, right? Yeah. Um. So on that note, like as we're developing adults trying to make our way trying to be productive what are some of the strategies that we've been uncovering as far as like how to know if something is a waste of time when you're working on it versus if you're working on something and it doesn't necessarily work out right away now you know how not to do something right Mm. so what's your what's your thoughts on that right so you're working on something and you don't know if it's gonna provide fruits of labor or maybe it does but you you make a lot of mistakes along the way while on while discovering that project so you feel like Mm -hmm. you've put time into it how do you feel about that okay i i think the most recent example for me would be um i think it was about a year and a half ago i started an online course um, that was an introduction to programming. It was through mm. Udacity. It was it was pretty good. It covered the basics of HTML, C++, JavaScript, and Python. Very introductory. The course took about four months to complete. Um, and I was putting in about maybe like 15 to 20 hours of study time per week. And That's a lot. Yeah, it was, it was a significant amount. That's more than I thought it was. Yeah, I, I learned a lot. Mm. But... Okay, when I was taking the course, I was literally only interested in the Python aspect of mm. the course. But at the time, Udacity didn't really offer just like an intro to Python. It was more just like, here's an intro to a bunch of things. See what you like. And so that's mm. the the attitude I took towards the course is like, okay, I know I'm not going to use HTML, CSS, or JavaScript, but I'm going to use Python. Like I code in uh, C, C++ at work, or like I had been in the past, like off and on. And then yeah. I was like, Python's close enough to at least get the flow down. So like mm. I might understand how to do it better. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take all these at the time. And I learned HTML and CSS and JavaScript and kind of just put them on a side table. Right. I was like, yeah. great to know. Like I might use this once. I didn't view it as a waste of time back then because I was like, you never know. I might use this again. Yeah. And then here here we are. Right. A couple weeks ago, we, you know, both recently decided to learn how to like actually develop. Yeah. Build web apps and web shit. apps and yeah. And I'm like, okay, wow. I'm going through the course. I've probably put in about maybe five hours of total study time at this point. And I'm like, I already know most of the stuff that he's talking about because of the things I've studied. Mm. And it's just giving me this greater a runway to take off learning this from and it, it it's kind of made me realize just because you learn something or learn a skill set and you think you might never use it again it doesn't mean it was a waste of time it never means it was a waste of time because you never know when you're going to use it again and I, I feel like i've done that for a lot of different things but i mean in this specific example it's been really helpful like i'm really glad i just decided to stick to the program and um that Udacity program and actually learn everything and put the time into learning it, even though I didn't know if I was going to use it at the time or not. Yeah. 
Okay, honestly, though, that's kind of impressive that you stuck through. Like, that goes back to our earlier point where I said that you stick through with projects, even if they're not the most fun, and then mm. you did. And now look at that. It's benefiting. So I feel like you already have a, pre a pretty favorable position on sitting through, working on a project, getting at least like a minimum value set out of it that you had set up for yourself before you committed to that project, and yeah. then leaving it up in the air to as to whether or not it becomes something or not mm -hmm. later mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm i'm gonna assume that you often feel pretty confident on the things that you commit your time to and typically don't have the sense of wasted time no i don't when it comes to learning i've never had that sense of i'm wasting my time ever mm -hmm. when it comes to working on a project actively uh, like there's a difference between learning for a project yeah which is a project in and of itself and then actually doing the project. Now, if I'm actively working on a project, there's a lot of times I'll feel like I'm wasting my time because I don't feel like I know or I'm doing the most productive way to do something. I'll feel, I, I will often feel like it takes me three, four times as long to get something done as someone else just because either A, I haven't done it before, uh, B, I don't know the best way to do it, um, or C, maybe it just doesn't actually have to get done at all. And mm. I've had to realize a combination of things when it comes to that is, A, everyone has to do it one time, like a first time. And it's going to mm. be slower your first time. So there's that, that's part of it. Every time I learn a new software for work or I'm working on a new software, I'm like, it's just going to take double, triple the amount of time because it's new. And that's fine. I'm not wasting my time. I'm... I'm using it properly to learn. I'm using it actively. Um, but then there's also like parts where you're like, okay, I can speed this process up when I'm, you know, working on something. If I go ask questions to people, mm. if, if, if I like I've set up before, like I, I know I'm using the right resources. These are the best resources available. But like, if you don't do that beforehand, then technically you are wasting time because you're not like properly working on a project. Right. And that's something you just learn over time. Yeah, well, I think... Does that make sense? Yeah, I think what you're saying, like one thing important of what you said, if I can pull out of there, is the sense of um, like putting in the proper time and asking questions means that you are at least not being stationary and you're constantly like trying to validate your process. Mm -hmm. but the fact that you feel like unsure if this is the best way to be using, optimizing your time within the project is in itself a good thing because it's now causing you to check if you actually are, which I think is really good, ultimately. It's better than just assuming that you're right and then yeah. actually being slow. Like, the fact that you do ask questions, which is another thing, actually, yeah, now that I think about it, like you've always kind of done that. Because a lot of times then when we're working on stuff together, sometimes for, like, a second, you'll forget to ask, and then you'll be like, wait, is there a better way to do this? And then sometimes I'll be like, yeah, you can do that like five times faster. And then you're like, oh, oops. Yeah. Good thing. Good thing yeah. I asked. But you always ask within like a reasonable amount of time, which I, I appreciate because I have run into people who never actually ask. And those people are often more difficult to work with. Um, yeah. But you do ask. You catch yourself. And sometimes you do hit on the best way immediately. And then, other, and then I'm asking you like, oh, shit, how do I do this faster? Sometimes I don't even ask because I don't know how to do it like sometimes i feel like i know a good way to do something but i like to optimize things i'm constantly asking people 
how to do something because I want to know if there's a better way to do it as well. Like, yeah, I, I can I can do anything, right? I, I'm capable enough to figure out anything on my own. Like, I can do it. Yeah. But when, when I know there's maybe a better way to do something, it's like, of course, I'm going to ask someone. And I hope yeah. I don't bear them down with too many questions. But like, I'll, I think even at work with uh, my boss, within the first couple of weeks, I told him, I'm like, yo, I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions. If I ever ask you too many, you know, tell me and I can tone it back and figure out more things on my own. Um, I haven't crossed that line yet, but I do ask a fair amount of questions at work to both my colleagues and my boss. Yeah. I feel like, okay, I, again, I, I think that's a pretty good thing. I think asking the questions is good. But I also feel like when you say that, you know, if I ever ask too many questions, like, let me know. I feel like most people don't actually let you know. And instead, you just have to feel it out and be like, God it's damn it. Like, I, when I say that, I'm serious. And I'm like, I will handle that. You can actually tell me. And I'm not going to be upset if you tell me that, hey, you're asking me questions. Like, let's, yeah. let's, let's think a bit more before asking questions. But people usually don't do that because that's just to potential conflict if people just run away from conflict, which is something we should talk about in another podcast, not this one. Yeah. Um, but... Ah, I know what you're saying, and I also just reminded me of that because that happens. Um, but yeah, when I say it, I, I mean it. And also, I I do tell people if I think they're asking too many questions as well. Like one of my employees, I've he's been like, hey, I'll ask a lot of questions, and then but I've told him before, hey, I actually think you're asking too many questions here, and I think you should start trying to figure like piece together more so what you do know first. Hmm. Uh, and I gave him a bunch of like tips on like coming up with conclusions or how to find information before just asking a question because sometimes there's a balance i think and someone can ask too many questions when when you come for a question and you're not already prepared for that question in any way then that's when i'm start being skeptical if that's a repeated pattern and that's kind of when i've actually gone on the other side and said hey like maybe wait for a second here but then you have to monitor that and make sure that the person isn't now going to never ask you a question again so it's like it's a balance, man. It's it's from that from the from the person the other side of of that equation, that the one that's like being asked the question. It's it's a balance. Um, but on this concept too of projects and if something is a good use of time or a waste of time, one thing that I think can hit a lot of people, and I don't know if it's hit you very much, but it has hit me a couple times, and it's the sunken cost fallacy. Are you familiar with the sunken cost fallacy? I haven't heard that term before. I might okay. know what it is, though. You, you, you probably do. All right. It's when you put what your mind perceives to be a lot amount of time into something, and then you feel like you cannot stop that thing because you've already put so much time into it. Mm, so you think, okay. I've put so much time into this thing, I can't let it go, and this thing is going to be, and, and if I stop this thing, I'll never be able to start something again. I'll never be successful again. These kinds of things. Because I've already sunk so much in, I might as well go deeper. That's the <laughs> sunk That's the sunk cost fallacy. It, it's mm-hmm. especially prevalent in like relationships that aren't so good. It's, that's where it's very negative, has a very negative effect, where you yeah. think, I've already been with this person for five years and I can't, what am I going to do? If I'm not, like I put so much time into it, so much of my, of my energy as a person, I can't stop now. Mm. That's that's obviously not true because past actions don't really have that much bearance on future actions, ultimately speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
same thing with like a project that you've been working on. It's like if you if you were trying to do something for a really long period of time, and it's like you just think I can't cut my losses. I guess it's like you can't because you feel stuck. Yeah. Also, this thing can make you feel that when you have stopped the project, it can it can prevent you from seeing the benefits of that project because even if okay you did actually stop, you didn't continue. And then you feel horrible because you feel like you sunk your entire life into it and nothing can come out of it. And that's like, and ex- those are pretty extreme cases, but I've had times in my life where that's prevented me from doing things because like I put three and a half years into um, computer science or software engineering and then I stopped. And then I felt like I stopped for like a year, any progress study, and I felt, oh, I can't continue anymore because I tried for a while and then I failed. So then I started, but then I was like, nope. So I started again and I put more time into it, but I wasn't focused enough to to finish up what I wanted to do. And so then I stopped again because it was like, I felt like I had put so much time in and still got no results. And then that prevented me from starting again for like three years. Then I tried again and I got too busy, quote unquote, too busy again. And each time I've, I've actually made a lot of progress, but I just felt like I hadn't. And that's like the sunken cost fallacy plus some other things mixing together to make you feel really shitty about a project. But what I'm trying to say today is that actually doesn't matter. And like what we've been saying with this theme of this, this episode is there's always value in the time things that you put your time into. If you're trying to learn like a skill or something like that, there's going to be yeah. some way that it will apply to what you're doing in the future. And I've just been realizing that a lot more in my life lately and it feels good. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't feel bad. Also, like, failing is really good. <laughs> like, actually not <laughs> succeeding at something <laughs> has... Oh, my God, yeah. I think has so much value. Can you think of, like, any, like, really big standout things you've worked on before that just have completely flopped? Like, 100% dude, just... Dude, I flopped on so many things. I don't even know... Well, I mean, that's in the nature of someone like myself that tries... Mm-hmm. Or has so many ideas like there's entire categories of things i've tried to do that have flopped mm-hmm. and then there's like within a single th- okay like within my 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 business right like i'm bootstrapping it so i'm like doing it on my own you know I've been we've been self-funded building the whole thing ourselves up to this point within that there's a like from from founding it until now it's just like a cacophony of failure <laughs> on all the failures and adapting and like adaptation, they all are what actually I think add up to success. Mm. So just that in and of itself is like a a microcosm of a per- perfect example of what you just said. That failure mm. is really important. The, yeah, so many failures. Um, a specific one is I didn't understand um, the type of business I was trying to make when I started it, which is kind of probably pretty normal of a thing. And... I was following a, I don't know, like a hype train basically of like what you see when you look up online about having startups and such. And you have this Mm -hmm. idea that you have to just go to the moon immediately. You have to raise a bunch of money and all this kind of stuff. That that's the path, right? That's what it looks like. The path is. So we didn't raise a bunch of money, but we started with a fair amount um, from uh, we transitioned from our previous product to the product we have now. And we, generated a bunch of sales of sales upfront to sort of fund the project, which was amazing and an outlier success, but I didn't know that at the time. 
and we grew our team too quickly, which made our overhead incredibly high. And so we ran out of, uh, like we basically burned out of, of our cash flow very quickly. And mm -hmm. we recovered from it and are currently in the process of recovering from it, right? Um, and it, so in my case, like it worked out, um, but I'm glad that I failed at that because it it made me get to where I am now, where I can now see a reasonable path forward. And like we were saying earlier, like I'm probably at the most reasonable state I've ever been in my life. Like if you were to talk to me right now, I probably sound the most realistic you've ever seen me at any mm. point. Yeah, yeah, that's and true. I bring this example up because it's the most prevalent one and one of the most like ones that has changed the trajectory of my life almost the most recently. Because if that did not happen and if I had succeeded, like I don't even know what would have happened. It wouldn't I mm. probably wouldn't have been great. Mm. Like I, I would have continued off into like the the character in the beginning like floating off into the, the universe like i think people get success too easily sometimes and i think they end up being less well-rounded people i guess i don't know failure is great and i'm glad that we failed in the way that we did because it allowed us to it was painful but it was good because we had to adapt and we had to adapt fast we had yeah. to make choices on the fly and those have consistently since we did that and realized the situation every choice that has been made since then has been better than the one previous to it hmm. because you have something to compare it to. And I think hmm. that's one of the values of failure. Hmm. How about you? The first research project I ever worked at, at uni. Wait, there was, there was another one? No. Oh, yeah. What? I worked on three different projects there. This is like what? the one I did in my undergraduate. This is the summer you went back home. Pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you weren't there. And I, I was living with our two other roommates at the time yeah. that we had in college. And um, essentially, this the premise of this whole experimental objective was for, for me to invent a laboratory process to make some uh, chemicals that make plastic, essentially, from these bacteria. But um, I had little to no guidance on this project whatsoever, and I didn't understand what I had a, a general understanding of what research was at the time, but I didn't really understand how to go about doing it. And the advisor over the project was kind of like, okay, you get, you can do whatever you want to do. Like, here's your money, go spend it, you know, figure out how to do this. And I mean, this is my second year in college, mm. right? I'm a sophomore. Yeah. Like, I'm barely getting into like actual course materials. It's all like the basic chemistry, calculus, the generals that you take. And so that summer, I I tried doing all these things and I failed. Um, I, uh, these bacteria needed uh, an environment without any oxygen to grow. And so I struggled for a good portion of the summer trying to create this environment. I didn't ask any questions. I was setting random things up in the laboratory just to try to make it work. Um, and I, I think I probably did like 30 different trials before getting it to work and it was so frustrating i i was like i it was at the time i was like am i even in the right major like this is so incredibly oh, no. frustrating and like i couldn't get it to work and i couldn't get it to work and then i kind of got it to work and then like i had to move on because then we needed more results and so then i was like kind of like after that point i was setting up these like makeshift experiments that were like I mean, they were quality, but at the same time, 
it was not exactly what needed to get done to finish it. And I know that now, mm. but I was just trying to generate something so that by the end of the summer, it was like a three month program. I, I would have something to show for what I did. Right. And I will tell you now, the results I got are just complete, like, not garbage, but just like had little to no value because of how many times I had failed that summer. And <laughs> like I found a, a lot of myself about what research is and like how, how like my work ethic towards it. Like that was a big major problem that I changed for the future work I did. Mm. What were some of the problems? Um, I didn't know how to manage my time. That was the biggest one. Mm. I had, I had no idea. Like it was the first time I would go into work for eight hours and I had to determine what I had to do with my day. Oh, I and see. I, I mean, I was 18 at the time and I didn't, I had never done that before. And I actually just didn't know how to do it. I was like, <laughs> I, I kind of figured it out by the end of the summer, but even still, like I was being so unproductive. And I think honestly, that's one of the biggest contributors to me failing working on the project. Gotcha. That's amazing. But but also like the fact that there wasn't much like overhead guidance for someone that inexperienced was a little bit frustrating at times. And I think that also led to the failure of the project. Mm. Um, but I I mean, I learned so much from it, right? I, I learned how to do research because afterwards I'm like, well, that's never happening again. Yeah. I did so many lit reviews because it was the one thing I good at. So I can tell you a lot about Clostridium the strain of bacteria I was using. Um, and I can tell you a lot about the process I was like making. I, I designed like, I, I did everything on the computer, but when it came to doing stuff in the lab, like it was, it was pretty poor. Um, and so uh, learned a lot, but failed a lot too. But I think both my future research projects benefited greatly from that. Yeah. I mean, you must've learned something cause they let you in <laughs> to graduate <laughs> school. Right. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> must not have been so bad yeah i i'm probably making it worse i mean i am my worst critic right i'm right. making it sound probably worse than it was but that's my perception of it currently no i can imagine a pretty unproductive 18 year old trevor just kind of dicking around <laughs> in the lab <laughs> no nah, i bet that happened <laughs> yeah. oh that's good I mean, even sometimes I thought I was doing something valuable and then I just wasn't. I was like, oh, this is fun. Like I would have like ups and downs like during the week. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm like doing the thing. And then I'm like, wait yeah. a second, I'm not, I'm failing. It was just an emotional roller coaster of a summer when it came to doing my research. Yeah. Well, I think there's two things there. And one is it's really great to get as much failure in as possible when you're young and there's low stakes, ultimately speaking. Yeah, yep. And and the second one is the economic value that you start trying to... Like, if you can do things like that, get into positions where you can fail in the slow risk, but then you can start to understand the economics of your failure in the sense of, like, you spent how many hours? Like, at what cost did that... I don't know if you were getting paid for that or not, but, like, if you were, or if you weren't, then still, it's like, what cost on your time was the time that you spent doing that versus if you could have spent it doing something else. And I think a lot of people aren't thinking about the cost value of their time mm. or the economics of if something is actually re like possible to do. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the more failures you can get, especially early on, 
and you can understand that. Um, I think that's fantastic. And people should take those opportunities if they're presented to them. Like there's no downsides. Just do it. Like what's the yeah. worst that's going to happen? Hmm. Yeah. Especially like, I don't know. We're still young, right? We're still just at halfway through the twenties, right, right at that halfway point. Um, so there's still many more lessons to be learned whilst we're young, which I'm grateful for. But I also am grateful for the time that we have had in the past five years. And hopefully we can use that knowledge to propel us forward into greater stability in the next five years. Yeah. Whilst deciding what projects to spend our time on and dealing with the mental aspects of failure and working through difficulty and success you know success Mm -hmm. is often a bitch (laughs) (laughs) a lot of times when you succeed things are actually harder than when you fail which is interesting um yeah because you then have to because because like failure is something i don't know at least for me that you can get really used to and you can expect failure and you can just go back to doing what you've always done which is like pushing things forward so it's like you try something then it fails but you're like well i knew it was probably going to fail that's fine i've been doing fine i can keep doing fine but then when you have a success it's like you enter a new paradigm and it's like oh shoot now things are are gonna are different because i've reached a different level and it's really uncomfortable often sometimes i'm terrified of success but not a failure Hmm. as a result of that like i get yeah like almost anxiety thinking about what if i do actually succeed at what i'm trying to do but then like I, I usually expect that things are going to be difficult and that there's going to be failure or some moderate success, but like an actual success. And that's something else entirely. Yeah. And the few times in my life where that has happened, it's like, oh, shit. I always feel like when you, when I fail at something, I'm like, OK, I only have to su- succeed at one thing next. And that's the thing I just failed at. Like I'm trying to advance this objective. I fail. OK, I'm going to retry something. But then when you succeed at something, in my experience, it leads to like 10 other things that you now have to figure out because you just succeeded at this. And it's just like, <laughs> wait a second. This is like 10 times worse than failing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times, right? It's it's the whole thing of finding the solution to your problem often just ends up leading to more problems. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the one of the quanders of life and it's not necessarily a, like a bad thing i'm not trying to prescribe good or bad to that it's just the way things are mm-hmm. you, you get a new set and a lot of times here's the thing that we're not saying a lot of times the new set of problems that you got is significantly better than the previous set mm-hmm. right so despite the fact that after success you may have more problems many times they are better problems to have than your previous set and that's something that is you know worth stating in this conversation of failure versus success yeah um i think in the marriage is a solid example of that people will tell you before you're married that well don't get married because you're just gonna have more problems or whatever like that's one of the negative takes on it it's just gonna be more difficult you know and i know for both of us we both got married young and that's another extra risk factor you're really you're doubly told not to get married young um but we both did Mm-hmm. And it's worked out quite great for both of us so far, five years in. Um, and there, the people who said that you're going to have more problems once you get married that versus when you didn't, they weren't wrong. 
um, I did have more problems, but they were a more fun set of problems to work on. Get dunked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my point. Like I would, I was thinking about it at one point, and I was like, "No hell no! I'd much rather have these problems than the problems I had before." Like I have another person to work on these problems with. Like these are more exciting. Yeah, I hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Yeah, I guess it leads to an interesting life if you're always trying to run away from problems. Exactly. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't avoid problems. Don't avoid projects. Just do them and learn from the failure because failure is not that bad, except for when it is. But then you get through it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. Humans are insanely adaptable. And I just want to put out into the world more vibes of adaptability. Mm. Right? Like, yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, adapt. Having a network for this is really important. I found that Mm. after that, you know, the first failure I talked about, I was like, okay, next time I go through this, I'm going to have people around me and I'm going to tell them when I think I'm failing or when I do fail and see what they did. And like having that accountability, I don't know if that's the right word, maybe more just like, you know, people you can reach out to and be like, yo, I failed. Any tips on what to do next? Or like, what did you do when this happened? Or like, even like, like when I have done this before, like I'll call you up and be like, yo, this just happened to me. And then even just talking about it, um, I feel like there's a sense of progression there in life. Mm-hmm. I think you're huge on that one. I, I agree. And my own experience with the example I gave mirrors that wherein like things were difficult and we hit a breaking point. And then what I, after we got through that initial breaking point and are on the road to recovery, what I've been doing is trying to find like mentors and advisors and other people that can help me validate my hypotheses this time around. Mm-hmm. and that's been immensely more valuable than anything i did before yep yeah good point like the network the network matters and i guess like again i had been told that before but until you have like a catalyst you don't really realize it you know it's just one yeah. of those things apart parts of growing up you either realize it or you don't yeah and i had an event that made me realize it thank goodness The other thing about a network is like previously, I just didn't know how to grow one. Mm. I feel like it's so nebulous and I don't even know how to go about, I'm too early in the journey to be able to describe how to go about building a network or what that even means. Mm. But I feel like you have had a bit of a more solid go at that. Building a network? Yeah. I would, yeah, I think by default, at least my education in engineering, yeah, they really stressed building a network. Like it was, right. <laughs> honestly, it was essentially part of the curriculum. Not gonna, not, not gonna lie. Yeah, I remember you saying so. And uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to me reaching out with an industry question, I have so many people I can go to right now. Yeah, and, it's huge. Yeah, it's it's honestly so valuable. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's one of the benefits of the engineering school that you went to. And maybe there was that for where we went to the same school, right? But they were totally different departments run totally differently. 
And I don't know if that existed in the computer science department, but if it did, I didn't see it or get it in any way. Like it, it didn't at the time you okay. were there. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. It, it does now. Your department completely got moved in with the other departments. Right. I think I heard they've that. They've been integrated and it's so much better, but when As you were they there should be. Yeah. When you were there, it was so bad. I can attest Man, to that. There was just some like university politics that had happened that I kind of just happened to be coming up in the middle of yeah. weird. Uh, unlucky how that happens even okay back to the i want to wrap i'm going to bring it back to the main topic again and then we can uh, end the episode here but on on that point of something that i did and even though for a long time it felt like i it may have been a sunken cost there are so many things that actually were very valuable from my time in university and in computer science including like the classes that i went through with like getting a, a solid background in the ba- like not the basics the, the fundamentals of computer science like not even the basics like obviously past the basics i'm talking about like the fundamentals of data structures and algorithms mm-hmm. um operating systems um things like that um state machines all of these things that being a person who builds technology yeah actually <laughs> pretty useful <laughs> to have that information yeah it made it a lot easier to conceptualize uh our product and from the top level be able to talk with the other engineers about what it was that we were building and what was and wasn't feasible and creating roadmaps being able to participate in those conversations that i know other founders who aren't technical do but i don't know how they do it because for for me it made it significantly more attainable and yeah, that all, I mean, that all did come from because I did take those those years of computer science. So not a sunken cost, was actually valuable, just took five years to feel like it. That's that. And on that note, thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Caleb Anderson. Follow Trevor on Twitter at Trevor Lee Seidel. Yes, please do. Yeah, he's trying to grow his Twitter following. He wants to follow and find other engineers and stuff. So if you're an engineer, go follow. Or find me on LinkedIn. No, I, oh I yeah, I'm using that for my career. Social outings. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can look me up on LinkedIn too, but I'm not a huge fan. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> if it's podcast related, but definitely Twitter. All right. Thanks so much. Good session. Take care. Mm.